0: To the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series on the book of Ephesians. In today's lesson, we'll be finishing out chapter 5 where Paul discusses how we can walk worthy in three different relationships. Today's lesson can be directly applied in our life as we look at the relationships in our life and we look at how we're reacting to one another and how we can do better in those relationships and act more godly in them well thanks for joining us for our lesson we hope that you enjoy it we're going to be back in ephesians starting today so we're going to be in ephesians chapter 5 you guys can turn there uh to ephesians chapter 5 if you want we're going to be going through a lot of scripture today we're going to be finishing out ephesians 5 and then after that chapter 6 and then we're going to be doing a series a new series it'll be pretty fun I think, on marriage. Uh, so we're going to have some guest speakers and stuff like that. Um, it should be pretty good. But Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be today, so you guys can uh, turn there as we start. Um, today, how, how many of you guys even remember when we did Ephesians the last? It was a while ago. So, <clears throat> if you remember, over the whole book of Ephesians, what we've been going through, Ephesians started out by talking about like who we were in Christ. And it talked a lot about the church and the mystery age. If you guys remember, Paul was telling the church at Ephesus, who was a faithful church, he was telling them things like, hey, you guys are sons of God and, and things like that. Remember we talked about the Holy Spirit being us. and So the first three chapters was a lot of theology about, um, about stuff, about the church and about who we are. And then in chapters 4, we said through 6, which we haven't got all the way through 6 yet, was or is about um, more practical things, how we live our lives. So um, if you remember that, that's kind of what we've been going through. So I remember that as we go through it, Ephesians 5, uh, it started the contrast, if you guys remember, about the light and the darkness and how we as believers can live like God wants us to or we can live kind of like uh, how the world would want us to if you guys remember that. And then verse 17 kind of sums that up. Um, I'm going to read the whole thing in just a second, but I'll read 17 right now. It says, So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, and so it's kind of a summing up of so then, because of all this, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Because of what or so then, why? Um, If you look back at uh, verse 15 and 16, he says, make the most of your time because the days are evil remember so again we're just going over context right now because it's been a while since we've done Ephesians but um, the days are evil so make the most of your time because the days are evil don't be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and then in verse 18 Paul gives us um, some information about relationships which is what we're going to talk about today today we call it relationships part one or whatever but he goes in and he talks about five different relationships we're going to talk about three of them today Okay, we're going to talk about three of them today. And so we don't want to be foolish in regards to what the will of God is. And then Paul says and God's will in regards to relationships is as follows, and he tells us some things that we should be doing, okay? And so that's kind of where we're at. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 17 through 33, so a big chunk. Then we'll pray, then we'll get going. Okay, this is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17. Says, so then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dispensation and debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God um, the Father. And be subject to one another in fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing with water and the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, so that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hated his own flesh, but nourished it, cherished it, just as Christ does the church." because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined together, and two shall become one flesh. This ministry is great, but I'm speaking of reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife as himself, and the wife must see that she respects her husband. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get going. Dear God, we just come before you, and thank you for this day you've given to us, and just pray for wisdom. As we look at your word, God, and look at the relationships that Paul's talking about here, uh, and as we go quickly through this passage of Scripture, I pray that you would encourage or convict us, God, as as needed. Um, God, we love you, and we pray all this through Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, we're going to be talking about three relationships today. We're not going to be going in depth about them, um, but we're going to talk about what he's saying here in Ephesians. interesting because um, some of you guys were in first service, but... He was talking about Ephesians 5:17, which I didn't even know until this morning, or maybe I saw it a couple days ago or something. But I didn't know that. But it's interesting because he's going over some of the same verses that we are. Uh, but it's kind of cool. So you get double, I guess. But three relationships today. The first one is the brothers. Okay, or you can put sisters in if you want to on your paper. Brothers or sisters in Christ, uh, because he talks. He says uh, one another. And We'll look at it in just a second. But. He starts here by saying, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And that's kind of interesting because he's talking about relationships um, here, and he says don't get drunk with wine. So it's kind of like, you know, why did he put that in there? Like, why you just, in the middle of talking about these relationships, say, uh, don't get drunk with wine? And, you know, drunkenness is something that does affect relationships, and I think that's part of the reason he put it in there. He also put it in there to um, Contrast being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what he says next. Okay, But he says, don't get drunk with wine, uh, but rather be filled with, the, filled with the Spirit. And this word filled with the Spirit, the word filled there is also in this passage in John I want to share with you because I think it's a good example of what filled is. Okay, How many of you guys know what filled means? Nobody? Anybody know what filled means? Okay, when a glass is full, do you know what that means? Okay, raise your hand if you know what it means to be full. Okay. So half of you know what it means to be full. So being full is like when something is all the way to the top. Right? Okay, for those of you who don't know what full is. Okay? So being filled. Okay, so it says we should be filled with the Spirit. This verse also uses the same word. It's the same Greek word or and English word. But it says, Mary then took a pound of very expensive perfume of pure nard and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped His feet with her hair and the house was filled filled thank you Reese with the fragrance of a perfume so the whole house everybody could smell the perfume because the house was uh, filled it's like a perfume so it was filled with uh, the smell and it's the same word that Paul uses here to say hey you guys should be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's the same idea of like walking in the Spirit in Galatians five sixteen. Walk in the Spirit so you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. We should be walking in the Spirit. We should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and when we do that, okay, our relationship with one another, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, is going to be good. It's going to be edified or built up. Okay, which is what he goes on to talk about. Look at verse nineteen. He says, speaking to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord okay and so here I got the things that Paul talks about and we'll go through these in just a second but he says we should be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so these are the things that are relationship with each other because he says one another right there in verse 19 he says speaking to one another and he's talking to a church about the church right so who are you guys is one another Like, who are the people in the church with you? Brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, yeah, brothers and sisters in Christ, that's right. So who are your brothers and sisters in Christ? Yeah. Yeah, these people, right? These people in here. And so he's saying, hey, speaking, you should speak to one another or talk to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, they're praising God. Okay, all those things are praising God or worshiping God together through your mouth. Okay, so it's praising God. And the difference in praising and thanking God is praising God is like telling God who He is. Right, so God, You are good. That's praising God. You are holy. You are perfect. Okay? And then thanking God is thanking Him for something. Everybody knows what thanking is, right? So thank You, God, for the stay You've given to me. Thank You, God, for um, how good You are to me or whatever. And so this first part in verse 19, we need to be praising God. And when we praise God, okay, when I praise God with my speech to Jillian, Okay? and she praises God with her speech back, that's edifying to one another. That helps us get our mind right and our perspective right. Right? And so we should do that together. But we should also do it, I have up here the word alone. We should do it alone. Um, maybe not the best word for this, but look in verse 19, look what it says. It says, "...in singing and making melody with your heart, in your heart, or with your heart, to the Lord." And I think what Paul's getting at here is we shouldn't really be doing it to look good. Okay, what's the number one thing or way that we worship God in church with our mouth? Singing. S- singing, right? When we do worship out there. And so many times when we're singing out there, we can do it because we want to sound good or we can do it because everybody else is doing it or we can do it or we can not do it because we don't want to sound bad. You know, I've done that a lot. Um, and so there's a lot of times when we cannot actually be praising God in our heart. You know what I mean? When we're singing. And so I think what Paul's getting at here is we should be praising God to one another but we should be doing it like genuinely. You know, Does that make sense to everybody? Because you can uh, praise God ungenuinely as well. So we need to do it together. All together we need to praise God. We need to do it alone or in your own heart. You need to worship God. Um, And along with this I've been thinking a lot about like for me uh, like in high school and stuff I didn't listen to very much worship music or whatever uh, I listened to mostly country because uh, I like country music but uh, I, I listen to a lot more worship now and what I see from that is when I'm listening to that kind of music and even singing along in my car because nobody's there with me um, I, it changes my heart it changes my mind my perspective you know what I mean? it helps me to dwell on the truth you know what I'm saying? And I was even thinking in there uh, when we were singing earlier I was thinking about like trials and stuff and like how in trials like you're going to have them or whatever but keeping your mind on the, the truth of God's word is how it actually helps you get through it and how you actually have joy and peace in it and so like when I'm singing when I'm praising God it helps my mind be in that spot that's like hey Like, I know who God is. I know that He's good. You know, I know that He loves me and that kind of thing. And so it takes away some of that anxiety, that fear, that um, depression, and that kind of stuff when we're praising God. And so I need to praise God more. You know, on my own and together. I need to speak praises to one, to like you guys and my friends more often too. Because like, I don't know about you guys, but not very often am I like, you know, Evan, like, dude, God's so good, isn't He? You know, like that's just not natural. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just not natural. And so like, it's hard for me to do that. And so I need to do that better because I think it like helps my perspective and it helps uh, others' perspective when you, when you talk like that to them. So if Evan comes to me and he's like, dude, God's so good. Look what He did in my life yesterday or something. I'd be like, man, that's awesome. You know, what I mean? that's building me up too. Um, so we need to praise God. That's what Paul says in verse 19. Verse 20, he goes on, he says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ even to the Father so we should also be thanking not only praising God but thanking Him Um, but why are we to thank Him for all things? okay, all things well James, if you guys remember he says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights it comes from God every good and perfect gift comes from God so, like even in a trial Okay, there's good things you can praise and thank God for. And when you're not in a trial, like when things are going good and like life is awesome right now, like that's from God, right? So we should be thanking God for those things. Uh, we should be thanking God for the people in our life. For, I mean, for everything, right? And uh, that's simple, but it's hard to do. And then the last one is in verse uh, 21. And this is interesting. I like this one. It says, But be subject or submit to one another out of fear for Christ. Okay, so this word submit or subject, it means to put under subjection or put underneath of. Uh, It's like to be the servant of. It's kind of like being the servant of our brothers in Christ or like to put them first. Okay, put their desires, their wants, their needs above our own. When I thought of putting underneath, okay, I thought of the Buffalo River. So I love the Buffalo River. I've hiked like the whole thing and I've kayaked the whole thing. Okay, it's really fun, so if you guys ever like, hey, I don't know where to go hike, Buffalo River's like a few hours away, like maybe four hours away, and it's really, really, really pretty. I've been to this spot, it's like Steel Creek area. And uh, anyway, there's one time when I was hiking, me and my buddy, and I usually hike and camp in hammocks instead of tents, okay, just because I that's what I like to do. But we're out hiking, and I get my hammock out, we're getting ready to make camp, and I get my hammock out and it starts starts drizzling, starts raining, okay? So I'm in a hammock, and I don't... At this point, I didn't have my a little hammock cover. So it was just a hammock. So I was like, ah, crap. But my buddy brought a tent, okay? And so I was like, yes, he brought a tent. And it's more than a one-man tent, so I can get in his tent. So we set his tent up, and we got his tent going, and it was like on the slanted hill, so we slept horrible and all this stuff. But uh, during the night, tornadoes started coming through, And like all this horrible weather, like it was bad. I was like scared because we were in this like little flimsy tent and we stayed dry. And so, which was good, but we were in this little flimsy tent and like the wind's blowing and we're like trying to like, I think we had like a crank radio trying to listen to the, where the storms were. And we were trying to get our cell phone with signal and seeing if these tornadoes were like going to hit us. And so it was a pretty scary night. But the reason I share that is because when we were there, I got underneath the protection of the tent. Now, it wasn't great protection, but it at least protected me from getting wet. And so that word subject or submit, it's like getting underneath of something for protection or for some other reason. It doesn't have to be protection, but it's getting underneath of something. Like So it could be putting yourself under their authority, right? Um, In this case, we're going to look at authority in just a second, but in this case when it's talking about one another, it's talking about being subject to them in the fear of Christ, and that's talking about coming under their desires and their needs so if you know Kiana really wants a donut and I'm out there and there's one donut left and I really want a donut okay putting myself under subjection or under submitting to Kiana's desires and will would be allowing her to have the donut right? Does that make sense? You're subjecting your will to her will. Does that make sense? So the same way Christ subjected his will to the will of the Father. Christ subjected himself. And so that's kind of what this is talking about in 21. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? So with our, in regards to our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to praise God, thank God, and be willing to submit to them in that way or like come underneath them, their wills, their desires. Okay, next, the next relationship, first is the brothers and sisters in Christ, and the next one is wives. Wives, okay, now we're gonna talk about wives, we're gonna talk about husbands. Okay, and we're not going to go into crazy detail here because, like I said, our next series is on marriage. Okay, so I hope you guys can come to that. It'll be really cool. Um, But we are going to go through this and we're going to talk about it. Okay, this is in verse 22 22 through 24. So let's look at it. It says, Wives, be subject, there's that word again, to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body but the church is subject to Christ so also wives ought to uh, be to their husbands in everything so next we see this marriage relationship pretty soon we're gonna be pa- we're gonna see a parent child relationship but today we're gonna see this marriage relationship and when we look at this none of you in here are married I don't think no, I don't think any of you are married is anybody yeah. married No. Married. okay Reese is married Kiana's married but other than those two the rest of you guys aren't married yet so when we're going through this part, this would be something that you would look for in the future. So as a man, as a boy, you can look and say, hey, this is what my wife should look like. This is who I should look for. This is what I should look for in a wife. As a girl, you can be like, this is what I should, I should look like as a wife. And then when we get to husbands, this is what I should look like as, as the guys. And for girls, this is what I should look for in a husband. <laughs> and so we're going to see the two roles. And like I said, not great detail. Uh, not great detail, but we're going to look at what this says, talk about it for a brief minute um, in regards, and then we'll go on. So wives, in relationship to their husbands, okay, because that's the relationship we're talking about, they're to be subject. Um, this word is the same word used above, like coming underneath of. okay. But this is more of coming underneath the authority, and you know that because he says, um, wives be subject to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife. So, And then think of heads, Okay, because he's about to make a comparison between Christ and the church and the body okay the whole Ephesians what has Paul been referring to the church as the body, the body. okay and pretty right here he's gonna say Christ is the mm-hmm. head okay so he's gonna be using this picture for us the head and the body so be thinking about the head and the body because he uses the same picture for a wife and a husband husband's the head the wife is the body. Christ is the head. The church is the body. And he's using this to help us picture it in our own minds and see how it's going and what it should look like. And so, um, this is talking about roles of the wife and the husband. And roles are very, 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 very important. Okay? They're very important because God created us to have certain roles. Okay? And he created husbands and wives to have certain roles bosses and employees to have certain roles. He just created everybody to have different roles. Think about it, he created animals to have a role, people to have a role, angels to have a role. See what I'm saying? Like he created roles for people um, and he created them to do that specific thing. And if we try to not fulfill our role and fulfill somebody else's role, it ends badly uh, pretty much every time. Okay, so the wife is to be subject or submit to the husband as the head Okay, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He being the Savior of the body, but the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be subject to their husbands. So, how is the church, the body of Christ, subject um, to Christ? Okay, here's how. These are two things. These are two of the things, anyway. Okay, the church helps Christ. Okay, or is supposed to, with His mission. Okay, think about it. When Christ, um, when Christ went back to be with the Father. What did he tell the church to do? Go make disciples of all nations, them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he gave the church a mission. The church, and that's whose mission is that ultimately? What? God. Yeah, I mean it's Christ, it's God's. It's Christ's mission, and we are as a body to fulfill that, to help him fulfill that mission. Okay, the church also completes or is supposed to complete the mission of Christ. That same mission. Okay, who's the starter? Of the mission how does the mission even start this is kind of a hard question but how does the mission of making disciples even start what had to happen Jesus had to die and rise again right Jesus had to die he had to rise again he had to pay for sins so he starts this mission and that mission actually starts in Genesis 3 right God starts a mission by saying I'm going to send the Messiah so he starts this mission and the church we're in the church age and we're completing that we're bringing that mission home basically and so, just like the church submits to Christ or comes under Christ's authority to help Him and uh, to, to help His mission and complete His mission, so the wife is supposed to do that for the husband. Okay, the wife is supposed to help and complete her husband. Okay, in the relationship, okay, of husband and wife, and okay, the the husband and what he's doing can't do his role if the wife is not doing her role. So that's why Paul starts out by saying, "Wives, be subject to the husband as the head." Okay, and complete them or be subject to them uh, just like the church is to Christ. Does that make sense? And we're going to go in a lot of detail about this in a couple weeks, because we're, like I said, we're going to do a marriage series. So I'm not going to talk any more on this right now, uh, but we're going to go into a lot of it later on. But the wife does have a specific role in a family. Okay, the wife is the helper completer. And like I said, we're going to be interviewing a, uh, a couple, a married couple later on in our next series. So we're going to dive really deep into this we're not going to do that right now okay if that's okay with you guys okay because i want to save some of that for later but there is a role and there it is the next role okay is the husband and again we're going to talk briefly on this we'll dive into this later in that next series okay when we talk about um well when we're interviewing and on this one i think on this one we're interviewing brent and Lori. so i'll be up here interviewing brent and Lori, and they'll be uh talking about these. It'll be really cool. It's a cool series. We're excited about it. I'm excited to learn a lot from these different people. But anyway, so we're not diving deep into this, but we're going to look at it. The role of the husband is next. Okay, this is verse 25 through 33. So let's go ahead and read it. Uh, There's several things that stand out here. It says, husbands love your wives, just also Christ loved the church and gave himself up her. So remember the um, analogy, Christ and the church, husband and the wife, okay? So, husbands love your wives as Christ also loved the church gave himself up for her, her is the church, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself a church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Husbands ought also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of one body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. I'm speaking in reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you should also love his wife even as a self, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So the command for the husband, the, fir- the role, is to love. Okay, now this doesn't mean that wives shouldn't love their husbands, okay? um, but husbands are to love their wife, and they're to do it in a specific way. Um, as we see, um, how did Christ love the church? Okay, that's the next question. I almost fell backwards here because I was trying to lean on this. But how does Christ love the church? That was what we need to think about because that's the analogy that Paul gives us. Okay, and as we look at it, he provided for and protected uh, the church. Okay, look at verse twenty-five again. At the end of it, he says he gave himself up for her, and then it says so that he might sanctify her, cleanse her. Uh, by the washing, water, and word, and present her in glory, no spot, no wrinkle. Okay, Christ provided what to the church? Everything, right? Okay, He provided a way, a way for us to get to God, which would be the cleansing, right? The washing. He provided um, righteousness for us. Correct. When He died on the cross, we can only get into heaven because we have whose righteousness? Jesus. He provided righteousness. He provided the payment of sins. He provided for the church. Everything they needed. Does that make sense? And so Paul's saying, hey, in the same way that Christ provided for the church, the husband needs to do that for the wife. The husband needs to provide. Okay? And in this case, um, guys and girls, so girls looking for a future husband and guys right now, uh, husbands are to provide physically, okay? Like food, clothing, stuff like that. They're also to provide spiritually. Okay, So the first person uh, to go to church in the family is usually who? According to statistics. Anybody know? The wife. The wife wife is usually the one that drags the kids and the husband to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, So the wife is usually the one that does that. And you know, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it's something like 10 to 15% of kids whose dad doesn't go to church don't ever go to church when they get older? Okay, because it's the husband's role. Okay, it's the husband's role. The husband should be providing that uh, example, providing that leadership that says, hey, we're going to church. No matter if the roads are icy or whatever. I don't know. You know, I'm just giving dumb examples because of snow, but... um, Like, that's, that's the husband's job. It's his role to provide. Not only physically, but spiritually... Emotionally, He's to provide um, in all those ways. And again, we'll talk more about this when we dive into it um, later on in our next series. So, uh, and then he's also to protect. Okay, um, The husband ought to protect the wife as well. And so I see this in 28 through 30. So I'm going to read that. This is actually provision and protection 28 through 30. Because think about this. Think about this question as we go through this. What do you do... yourself like what are things that you like make sure that happen in your own life okay so it says so husbands ought also love their own wives as their own body so he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it cherishes it just as Christ does for the church because we are members of one body for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother this is he's quoting Genesis here for this reason he shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so when you're married you're one flesh (coughs) Okay, and in verse 32, he says this mystery is great. He's speaking of tr- uh, in reference to Christ and the church. I think what he's saying there is that it's a mystery that Christ and the church are one. Okay, Because this is the correlation here. He's saying, hey, husband and wife, you're one. It's a mystery that Christ would be one with the body of Christ, like with the church, because we're fallen people, right? So it's pretty cool. I think that's kind of a side note here. But he starts out by saying, hey, you ought to love them like you own, uh, love your own body. Why? Because you're one. You are. That is your own body. You guys are one. And so what do you do with your own body? Do you care for your own body? Hopefully. Some of you junior high boys may need a little more deodorant. I don't know. We'll see. I don't smell anything today. But uh, you should care for your own body, right? You feed yourself when you get hungry. Right? Or your mom feeds you. I don't know. But you care for yourself. You feed yourself. When you get hurt, you try and help that wound to heal it, right? And so that's the way you should, uh, that's providing for your wife, right? And then you protect yourself, right? You try to not get hurt for the most part. I mean, sometimes we do some pretty dumb stuff, but we try to not die. We try to not get hurt. We try to protect ourselves, right? So we try and provide and protect for ourselves. So that's why it says you should love your wife like you love your own body. Like I love my body. I don't want to break my leg. I don't want to cut off my arm. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you should love your wife like that, physically, spiritually. And part of that is protecting yourself. When I think of protection, I think of a lot of things, but I usually don't think of a donkey. Okay. How many of you guys, when you say protection, like donkey's the first thing that goes in your mind? Okay, gallon. Other than gallon, okay, most of us don't think of donkeys as the the first thing that protects. Okay, I usually think of like a guard dog or armor or a gun probably is probably the first thing that yeah. comes to my mind. Yeah, um, so I think of these things, but I don't usually think of a donkey, but donkeys are actually one of the best protectors of sheep. Okay, and here's why. Some of you probably already know this, but donkeys, they don't need any special food like a dog or special training. Okay, so like if you have a dog protecting the sheep herd, like you got to feed them dog food, they can't eat grass. Or they can, but they'll probably get really skinny or something and die, <laughs> okay, because they eat meat, right? And so these donkeys, they can graze with the flock. They can be left out with the flock, but they will fight off coyotes. Okay, and they'll—I mean—they'll I mean, they'll beat up on coyotes. And so you leave two or three of these out here with your sheep herd, and you don't have to stay out there. They can protect the sheep herd for you. Okay, and I just thought that was interesting when thinking about protection, because Christ protects the church, and the husband's job is to protect the wife spiritually, physically, and all that. Here's a couple. What? <laughs> yeah, husbands are donkeys. Yeah, I guess so. You can say that. Alright, Matthew 16, 18 okay, and John 10, 28 both show Christ's protection. If you guys know these verses, the uh, Matthew 16, 18 is he's going to build a church on Peter on the rock and the gates of hell will not... Anybody know? The gates of hell will not prevail, prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against The church. He says, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why won't the gates of hell prevail against it? Because Christ is protecting it. Right? Christ is protecting it. We can't even protect ourselves, especially in spiritual warfare, but He can. And so He's protecting it. He's not going to let the gates of hell prevail against it. John 10.28, He holds us in His hand. No one is able to what? Snatch Snatch Him out of His hand. Right? Why? Because He's protecting us. Christ is the protector of the church. The husband should be the protector of the wife. So the husband's supposed to be protector, provider. Again, we'll dive more into this later. Um, next on this next series, we'll talk about how Christ, Christ's love, His protection and His provision was sacrificial. He gave up everything for it. Okay, and you know we should, as husbands we should give up, be willing to give up, and give up everything to protect and provide for our wife and our family. Um, those are some things we'll talk about. Again, we're not going to talk about it in depth because it's going to be in a couple weeks. We'll talk about it again. So, But he gave up everything um, for us, and so we should be willing to give up everything for our wives, Okay, which is a hard thought to think about, um, especially in our day and culture when we think marriage is all about us. So these are the three examples. The example of husband and wife. Um, all of you guys have heard this example that I have, but I love it because I think it just shows the example of not fulfilling roles really well okay so a chicken with his head cut off I think is a really good example of a husband and wife not fulfilling their role okay and I've seen it I've seen a lot of wives try to fulfill husband's roles and husbands try and fulfill wives roles and when it happens it's like a chicken with their head cut off the wife is the, the chicken that body and the man is the head Okay, so when a husband tries to fulfill the wife's role and be the supporter, the helper, the completer, all those things and more, what, it's just like a chicken and his head cut off. It's the head. What does the head do when you chop a chicken's head off? It just, just it just lays there. It does nothing. And that's what a husband looks like when he's trying to fulfill the wrong role. He's stagnant. He lays there. He doesn't do anything. Nothing's happening. And he's not helping in any way because he's not meant to. He's not a good helper. Okay, in that capacity, I mean, talking about the role of helping and completing. Okay, you can be a helper, but in that role of helper, completer, support, like, he's just not good at it. And so, when he tries to fulfill that role, he ends up just laying there and doing nothing. And he's not involved in the family. He's not involved in the raising of kids. He's not involved in helping people, helping his family go to church. Okay, because he's he's trying to fulfill the wrong role. Okay, and then the wife, when she tries to fulfill a husband's role. She's like the chicken's body. What does the body do when they cut the chicken's head off? She runs around in circles crazy. right? young chickens do it. If you don't well, want an old chicken, they just kind of kick. That's true. Old, old chickens don't really, you know, they don't have the energy to run around. Okay. But the, uh, the young chicken, the young chicken body, they run around like crazy. And they're kind of like spazzy. Okay. And usually when a wife is trying to fulfill the husband's role, she can't do it because she's not meant to. And so it, she ends up trying to do more than she can and doing all this kind of stuff, and she's like all over the place. Yeah? Have you really heard Yeah. Uh, Carter has too. <laughs> hey, you got to eat. I was, just,
1: no, I
0: was just wondering if you've actually done it. I have. talk about it? At all? I've also, because uh, d- it's more fun, uh, instead of just cutting their head off, I just take a twenty two out there and try and shoot them in the head, It basically does the same thing. So, but uh, anyway. Um. So, scouts chickens, they always get their heads bitten off by raccoons. Yeah. And so she always finds finds the heads in their coop. No, that's for that disturbing. Anything. Go out in the morning. Ah, another chicken a metal head. Pipe. What? A metal pipe. Put the chicken's head under. Yeah, you can do that too. That's what I do with Dove. Step on. All right, anyway, we need to get off this topic. Um, Anyway, the roles are important, okay? Because when we don't fulfill our role that God intended us to have, like, it just doesn't work. Like, you know what I mean? And as humans, we always want to do what we're not supposed to do. Like, a husband's natural, like, desire, even though he's not good at it, is to, like, I want to do what? I want to fulfill the wife's role. I want to be the helper completer. Like, and the tendency of the wife is, I want to be the head. You know, I want to be the protector and provider. Like, that's, that's what we want because we're sinful. Okay, but we're not good at it. And so, that's the example. So, what's the impact? The impact is prepare for the future relationships, husband and wife, for you guys. Other than Kiana and Reese, who are both married, they said it earlier. So, you guys, you know, in your current marriage, uh, make sure that you're fulfilling your roles. Uh, but then also be godly in the current ones uh, so the first thing we talked about was brothers and sisters in Christ right and we're to praise God with each other right which is kind of hard to do but we're to praise God use praising and then when we're out there together like corporately praising God I do it from a pure heart I and mean, it doesn't matter what you sound like or whatever uh, praise God and then thank him thank God be grateful you know I do a, um, a word of the year uh, with my family and so we have like one word. If you can sum up one word, what do you want to pray for this year? And then that way we always have something to pray for for our family members. Um, and this year, my word is grateful or thankful. You know, either one. Uh, because I want to be more thankful and grateful this year uh, for everything. for To God and to people. Okay? And so that's something we should do. And then also as Paul said at the, in verse 21, put others first. Be willing to come under other people Come under their desires, you know. Give Kiana the donut if she wants it. Okay. Uh, put their desires, their needs above your own. And what what relationship for you guys is generally the hardest to do this in? Brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's what it was for me too, Jillian, and probably for the rest of us because we live with them all the time, right? And so it's hard to put the needs of my sister Jacqueline above my own because. I mean, at, you know, from my perspective as a brother, she's always being a turd, right? And so it's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to put the needs of a turd <laughs> above my needs. Like, who wants to do that? Right. And so, like, that's hard. At least it's, it's always been hard for me. Um, and when they're in your house with you, it's just hard. It's just hard. And so that's something we can all work on. Like, hey, I'm going to put the needs of my brother and sister before me. Kellen and Kelson are going to give Kiana that donut, even though they want right? All right, so let's think about those things. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis.com at stillwaterbible.org thanks again for tuning in we hope that you join us for our next lesson